Let's go. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Binge Town TV. I am Paul, your host, and here with me today are Luke and Brian. We're back with our Binge With Us series covering season two of Amazon's The Boys. Today we are covering episode five titled We Gotta Go Now. Officially halfway through the season now, episode five. No, man. There's only eight episodes. There's only eight. Oh, my God. I totally forgot. Yeah. That's gonna that's be... even sadder. But, I mean, it's still phenomenal. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, episode five, it, I feel like I keep saying this after every episode, which is a good thing. But, you know, it just keeps on humming along. It's, it's a great show. These episodes have all been close to a 10 out of 10 for me. And we're just continuing on with, with stellar television. Vision, and I'm very excited to see where, how they finish up season two because it's already been amazing. This is my first episode being on the boys podcast, so I haven't gotten to talk about the first four, but this season has been amazing. Everything that I've wanted out of the season, all the Homelander in the world, we get more Black Noir, more the deep, getting his, uh, the origins of his redemption story that's going to happen for in, at some point. It's been awesome. This episode specifically was really good. I thought Stormfront I hate to say it because she's such a terrible person, but I love her character as well. And this was a good, great episode for her. Another terrible character that got a good episode is Ashley. I thought she had a very strong episode. She's, mm-hmm. she's always kind of extra, but it's, it's extra in a needed way. And just like her, she kind of combines the still well of last season, like her vibes, like she, that's needed in order to like <laughs> how they monitor their soups at Vaught. This is the first episode where Ashley wasn't like a total pushover and she was actually kind of like you acknowledging that she was in a powerful position and like talking down to people that were below her and she handled the A-train situation great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Ashley. Great episode. All right, man. Let's get right into it. Yeah. Okay. Opening scene. We got Maeve looking around some wreckage and she's shouting, looking for somebody. And then we realize pretty quickly that this is a movie scene. This it's just like a continuation of like what's been going on for the past couple episodes. Mm. And it's such a whack way of storytelling. Yeah. Like you could just tell by how the direction is shot. I think it, I think the screen kind of gets into film mode. So it's, yeah. it's easy obvious to tell. There's like a filter over it. it almost yeah. Looks- yeah. It's like a filter or something. So they're going to so, do this a couple times to just signify that this scene is on camera or off screen. But yeah, so Maeve is looking for this this person, Ruby. She locates her under some rubble and they just kind of play out this scene where they're, it's almost like Maeve's coming out. She says very corny lines like, I'm afraid to show the world who I really am. I'm a lot like you. I'm gay. And it's just like very obvious, like Maeve coming out and Vaught is just like using it to their advantage to market it. Oh yeah, 100%. And they do that because they want to include it and then they go in for the kiss but they don't show it and that's like classic like big time hollywood they don't want to actually show it to upset people that might get offended by it but they want to try to include it enough that it doesn't you know you know you're not outcasting anybody yeah and this this whole thing seems to be like a part of homelander's plans to have control over all the soups in one way or another and have leverage over them at all times and so after moving on to that we get homelander who's watching this like behind the scenes he's acting as like a director it's it's kind of funny hearing him like talk about it like oh love that you know whatever (laughs) he he walks back to the tent he's like hey marty uh, play that back again please (laughs) it was sweet and he was like maid who was walking over she was saying, oh, man, that was some great stuff out there. She says, wait, when will you stop torturing me? Don't know what you're talking about. 
She was yeah. Like, so Homelander immediately just starts like playing dumb on all this. She's she makes that ultimatum like if I if I stop seeing Elena cold turkey, are you gonna start tor- stop torturing me? Homelander says you're in love. I don't want to come between that, and he's just completely playing dumb to her. So he has the complete leverage over Maeve at this point in time. Enter Ashley, who wants a word with Maeve. <laughs> and just, and, just real quick, though, the, the importance of Homelander having that leverage over her and making Maeve so uncomfortable is what's going to plant the seeds for her. I, she's probably going to go on like this little revenge plan, which is going to include the deep and it could eventually include the boys and Starlight. And it's going to be like this whole thing. That's how I envision them even confronting Homelander in an actual way. And I yeah. just think that's like the start of turning Maeve. Which was sweet because you know how terrified Maeve is to go against yeah. Homelander. Yeah. So this is going to be awesome. So as Brian was saying, Homelander's just being all cocky. As Ashley walks over, he's like, oh, like, look at this. Like, girls get it going. Ashley's <laughs> like, no, it's girls get it done. They sure do. <laughs> it's like, he's just like such a prick. It's so funny. And she's like, no, Homelander, I need a word. You need to come with me. This is urgent. And this is another perfect Homelander scene because he's always so smug and stupid silly in the most serious moments. Actually showing him a video of it looks like it's in Some somewhere African. to the east. Yeah, definitely um, in Africa it looked like. And somebody has a cell phone recording video of Homelander dropping down in some village going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then lasering a guy. Says, all right. And then flies away. Well, it was it was a super terrorist? It looked like mm-hmm. he had like airbender powers or something yeah. like that. But it was it was yeah, it was like the iconics. What would happen if Superman just touched down? And he handles the scene very quickly. Laser beams the guy, but there's some collateral damage as well that got caught on this cell phone video of him just blatantly showing a disregard for human life and taking out a civilian when it he just carelessly avoid, laser yeah. beamed and it just like hit a guy. Every time you see Ashley in the vault setting, she's always caring about the polling numbers and how the soups are appearing to the public. And Homelander was like a little bit concerned, saying like, oh, how much do you think I'm down? Like a point, point and a half, two points. She says nine and a half. And that immediately caused an actual genuine reaction from him that upset him because all he cares about is having the world accept him as the greatest superhero of all time. He's like nine, nine and a half. Yeah. That, that was pretty crazy. And she also goes on to tell him that there are now protests that are starting. And it's just people that want the soups to be held accountable for committing any crimes. Mm-hmm. And now that they know all of Vault, Vault's been sketchy with the whole Compound V, like there's a lot going on. So the world's like getting a little unrest and mm-hmm. the soups are falling in the eyes of the public. To back up a little bit, Homelander had a great line here. After he sees the video, he's like, shit, shit. Well, they're all starving, but one of them has a fucking cell phone. Like, what is this? <laughs> that was uh, freaking hilarious. Yeah, and then the, she went on to say, Ashley, uh, Luke, you covered it a bit. That was up for 17 minutes, which in internet time is forever. So they tried to do as best they could. But as you were saying, the people got hold of it. And now they're holding up signs saying Homelander kills. And he's like all pissed. He's like, they're protesting me? That makes no sense. I killed that asshole for them. So disconnected from like mm-hmm. the the actual rest of the crowd and stormfront yeah. actually gets a chance to take note of this that you know things aren't going great for homelander and she offers her help but she also kind of is like jabbing at him and 
this is important because later Homelander is going to actually take her up on this offer. Her choice of words here is very, very good choice of words, very specific. She says, well, I'm here when you want me, not when you need me. I'm here when you want me. And she just kind of like smirks at him and walks off after kind of those, those playful jabs. Ashley made it clear Mr. Edgar and the legal team want Homelander's official stance to be no comment at this time. But Homelander led her to believe that he was very emotional and wanted to confront the crowds himself. This was interesting because you were saying, Brian, Homelander was like, all right, set up a press conference and I'll take care of the rest. And Ashley actually had to stand up to Homelander and say, actually, Mr. Edgar and the team wants, what's it, the action team is what they call them or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, want the official comment to be no comment. And so Homelander just stopped and turned around and looked her dead in the eyes. And I was like, good for you, Ashley. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, B-Tom, she's filling out her role a little bit better. And I like to see it because I haven't had anything good to say about Ashley yet. The character, you know, she's just been a doormat, a pushover. No, it's good to see her sticking episode. up for herself. But are we good on that scene? Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Moving on, we have a really quick one. Butcher is just drinking his sars away at like a scream metal bar. And Butcher gets up from the bar, walks into this, uh, into the mosh pit, and just headbutts the biggest dude he can mm-hmm. find. And then just gets absolutely wrecked by a mob of these people. Just push him to the ground and start kicking him. And that's when we get the opening iconic, the boys font. But like, what is Butcher doing here? He's just spiraling and he just doesn't... Yeah. He's- wants to feel something yeah if you're feeling pain feeling that kind of pain is better than feeling the pain from becca and it's easier to analyze that scene when when we get right into the next one where butcher's in the cvs right a whatever the supermarket store and he's just walking down the aisles and he picks up a dog toy and squeezes Mm. it why at the same time huey calls him and this is going to be a little confrontation from petite Huey because we, you know, he's, he's starting to get some balls and he really shows it this episode and he's just <laughs> calling out butcher saying like, Hey man, what's going on? You sound, you're different. Like you're sounding nice. And you could, if you're going to leave us, you could have at least said goodbye. Feels like he's going to have a suicide attempt, killing a soup or something like that. That's what they're leading me to believe. Huey <laughs> says to butcher after all we've been through, you could have at least said goodbye. And butcher's like, you know, you're right. We've been through a lot of shit. And I could have been like nicer to you because you were my canary. And he was like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) And then he was like, "Uh, I'm retiring. I'm not going to come help you with Stormfront. I'm retiring. Maybe go to Argentina or something. Basically, goodbye. Yeah, he's going off the grid. And I think that's the end of their conversation because he takes the SIM card out and destroys the phone right away. So Huey and MM can't track him. So he ditches his phone and Huey butchered that whole conversation was being very cryptic. And obviously Huey picks up on that. He immediately gets off the phone, kind of has this weird look on his face and goes right to MM, who was watching a little romance movie on his iPad. She was like, dude, what are you watching? I'm watching a show called Eat My Dick, dude. Dude, MM, the legend. But he was like, I just got off the phone with Butcher and I think something might be really, really wrong because he was being nice to me. He's never nice to me. And he was he called me his canary. What's up with that? And immediately MM's face goes like serious and says, tell me exactly what Butcher told you. That's yeah. just like a little moment that it just, it's so obvious that MM is the best character. That's, he just has everything planned and he's so logical He's the glue for the boys, and he's so important. He's just an awesome character, and he just impresses me every episode. Earlier this season, Mm -hmm. we got him, you know, talking to Agent Rayner, 
and he was explaining the super terrorist over the video that they saw of him. And Huey was like, you got all that information from a security video. And here he's like, all right, tell me everything you heard. And you just know that if somebody knows something about Butcher, it's MM. Mm -hmm. MM knows everything about everybody, every one of his boys. Also, B-Toms, he was wearing a Dr. J Sixers shirt. Yes, that's right. Kyle told me I had to say something. A very sweet Dr. J Sixers shirt. (laughs) Moving right along, we have another Maeve scene on the movie set, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the guy from Heroes is there. Do you remember? Yeah. Did other of you guys watch Heroes? I was just like, oh my god, the mm-hmm. the guy from Heroes is here. He kind of rem- reminds me of like an Agent Coulson from Avengers. I feel like all of these movie scenes have parallels to Avengers. My roommate walked through when they had the girls get it done scene in the first movie scene, and he was just like, oh my gosh, that's right out of Endgame. That all female scene. Yep. I was just like, yeah, you're kind of right, bro. They are so good at playing off of what's culturally relevant right yep. now, and it's such a good satirical take on it. I love everything about this show. Uh, I was just going to say, right at the end of that scene, they're walking away, the director comes up and is like, hey, Star, like, can you at least move a little closer to Storm for pretend you like her? She does that fake haha, whatever. And then Stormfront looks at her and says, yeah, you've been eye fucking me all day. Like, you obviously do like me. What's going on there? Starlight's trying to explain. And then Stormfront basically walks away. So Stormfront knows. She notices everything. She knows something's going on. Yeah, I feel like she's always on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Starlight tries to play it off like, like, oh, I just think you're a good actor. But we obviously know that Starlight is now completely skeptical about Stormfront because of the revelation that she was once Liberty back in the day. So that's why she's staring at her. But Stormfront knows something's up. Stormfront is so on top of it, like you said, Luke. Yeah. So like I was saying, we're kind of, am I, am I wrong? We're flashing at the same time. Like we see Kimmy mm-hmm. Kill walking down the street at the same time as this movie scene is going on. And Frenchie's just yeah. trailing her. Mm-hmm. Not obvious that she, she doesn't know he's trailing him, even though he's not really being that discreet about it. Yeah. Uh, he's just trying to see what she's get, what she's getting into. Yeah, and, and we what didn't she's getting into. Holy shit! Yeah, we didn't big. see that yet. But all we know is Frenchie doesn't know what she's up to and yeah. wants to find out. We get a sweet little extra, extra, and it's our boy, the Deep Man. Breaking news that he's getting married, and then it cuts out a little bit, and then we see that this is a TV in some old woman's room. She's talking to somebody. She's like, "Do you does he want to taffy with that?" And all of a sudden, the doorbell rings. Goes up. It's Butcher. Hello, Judy. Yeah. So this is this is Butcher's Aunt Judy. Uh, we're going to be spending a little bit of time at her house this episode because shit hits the fan real soon. But we get a little bit of exposition. Judy is like, "Your parents are calling. They really want to see you. They're they're getting tickets to fly in. Your father is really sick." And Butcher says, "Fuck them. They're wasting their money and their time if they're coming here because I'm not going to see them." Which yeah. have we? known about his issues with his parents or is this we found out about his brother and his parents all in this episode so it's a lot to it's a lot to you know digest but i'm sure we're going to get more and more as the season goes on he doesn't even say like don't he he says more than don't tell him not like tell him not to come he says when aunt judy says cancer's killing your father he says not quick enough Mm -hmm. so he like obviously hates them for some reason Mm That he keeps asking, he was like, All right, uh, so where's my boy? Like, fuck my parents, where's my boy? And this is when we meet Terror. Terror walks over. Apparently, Butcher has a dog, Terror, Bulldog, who absolute awesome. Every time he's on he screen. Does, 
They got the best dog for this part. It was so great. He's just like, you want to take a walk, dude? And they just like are walking down the street. No leash. This is the coolest dog. In his introduction scene when Butcher's talking to him, he's just right there mounted on top of his fuck pig. (laughs) Yeah. The fuck pig. I love that. Yeah. So they go for a walk. And this this whole scene is Butcher just realizing in what position he's in, how sad he actually is. He's like, yeah, this is all it comes down to. Metamucil and wringing our dicks out for a drop of piss. He's like, shit, man. We, d- well, I'm doing all this, but for what? I'm getting nowhere. He doesn't have Becca. He doesn't have family. He ditched the boys. Mm-hmm. Like he's ready to just pretty much end it all. Yeah, he's ready to time. I, I'm not trying to stay alive just to do nothing. This is when, like I was saying, it's a parallel scene where so we're jumping back constantly. But this one goes back to the movie set starring A Train now. And his scene is talking to the director. And I do want to say, I thought the director was hilarious this episode. Oh, yeah. I took a lot of notes on him. Adam Bork is the name of the director. In the, so in, good, man. He, the was, he was funny. Fantastic. He was just entertaining. Like, he was just everything. Yeah. <laughs> for just like a little mini character. When he gave his movie pitch in episode three, that, that dude was funny. Like, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was it. But we're getting so much more of him. And it's so good. He's walking up. Hey, train, my boy. Like, throwing his fists at him you ready to punch the big fucking scene today man trying to get him all hype and a-train's like hey that's actually what i wanted to talk to you about i did a little rewrite what do you think a-train's obviously just pissed he's being forced out of the seven he says stuff like a-train would never say this shit i think it's better if we leave it open-ended is a-train really leaving the seven i don't know and the director's like yeah yeah nah we're just gonna do it live dude we're just gonna do it the way it is and he's essentially just like hey listen man this is way above my pay grade take it up with ashley if anything and then he goes on to say by the way i got the crew of vietnamese crepe truck they make a gluten-free bonzao it is fantastic you're gonna be great baby you're gonna be great dude (laughs) adam fork that was so funny (laughs) scene stealer the legend yes yes he essentially just says a train dude take it up with ashley i don't i Mm. this is bigger than me but yes a train is pissed we're gonna see through this episode i think mave and a train and the deep are both going to align with anti-bot stuff that's what i was gonna say there's definitely a path where a train ends up on the good on the good side and you know, I think now that the Deep and Maeve are kind of being hinted at that as well, it could be everyone versus Stormfront and Homelander at the end of the season. And I, that would be pretty cool. Holy shit. That would be wild. Yeah, definitely. I'm just thinking of that. If A-Train comes to the good side, that reunion with Huey, how is Huey ever going to accept it? Mm-hmm. Because of Robin? They're going to need... The, he. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know how they can make up, but it just doesn't seem like A-Train's going to be on Homelander's side. Okay, next, uh, The Deep interview, right? Yeah, this is sweet. We got The Deep getting interviewed by Katie Couric, and we get introduced Mm -hmm. to his wife again, who we only saw a snippet in the episode before. It was basically her interview. So she's the really innocent one. and Super into the church. Yeah, Katie Couric saying, should we address the elephant in the room? And the wife, whose name is Cassandra, I believe, Mm -hmm. she goes on to say, you know, the deep has changed. You could see the letters he writes to me. He's a new man. And he's like, she's just saying this because I make her breakfast in bed. French toast. <laughs> he's so unbelievably different. It's hysterical. Yeah. That fake laugh is just so money by him and his wife. It's hilarious. I have yeah. loved the deep. Katie Kirk asked him real quick. She says, okay, so you're both part of the church of the collective. And then that's where it cuts and it backs out. 
but they always they keep bringing up the church of the collectives i wonder if that really is going to be a big force that's going to come into play vaught is a big company but the church of the collective might be a big church and might have some power to it in the Um, next commercial we get a face and a name of the chairman of the church and i think he's going to be a guy but we'll that's in like the next commercial that we see Uh, So we'll touch on that later. But like you said, Paul, it pans away from the TV screen and we walk in on like three Russian dudes just like kind of shooting the shit. About Hamilton. They were shooting the shit about (laughs) Hamilton, (laughs) which is the second Hamilton reference that they made this season. Kimiko, yeah, Kimiko walks in. They're like, yo, can I help you? One dude walks up, looks her in the eye, turns around, says, this chick's not right in the head which is a complete understatement because mm-hmm. she grabs him by the ear and literally rips his face off. Rips his face right off. It's the best. Right into walking up to the next Russian guy and she does the Rey Mysterio's 619 flip around and fucks him up. Mm-hmm. And then Dude, my notes totally say Rey Mysterio's the second guy. <laughs> Let's <Yes>. go. <laughs> and then she walks right up to the third guy and the third guy's just popping her with bullets Mm. It's cool to see again that her regenerative ability is just so prevalent. Mm. And that's part of her yeah. powers. So that's cool. And then fucks him up. And then right after that, it flashes to Frenchie walking in a little bit behind her. Mm. Not enough to get caught, but he just sees the face on the ground. He's kind of horrified at her because she's turning into the monster that he is trying to avoid that path for her. Frenchie, our resident good guy, our, our moral police, him and MM. You got a fantastic. Him. Yeah. Mm. So, so the next scene we got here is. Butcher coming back from the walk, and as soon as he walks in, Judy says, "You know, why didn't you tell me you had f- friends coming?" Looks on the couch. There's Huey and MM, just two boys. Um, she drops the line though. Who's this one? Remind you of? Isn't he the spitting image of Lenny? Referencing mm-hmm. Huey, and they don't really touch on it. They just mm-hmm. kind of. Butcher says straight up, says no, and hangs up his coat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he basically says, "What are you doing here? Or how'd you find me?" And this is where we get MM. He explains. Huey told me that he had a dog toy. I know you used to keep your dog at your aunt's. So this is where we are, which is fucking awesome. They get right to the point because obviously they're like. Where's Becca, man? You've been spending your whole life trying to get Becca back. Where is she? He's like, she's waiting for me at the Holiday Inn. I'm just here to say terror. Piss off, he says. Um, and MM and Huey are just like, man, we're not going anywhere. The boys have its back. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. But Butcher, like, storms out, gets in his car, is ready to leave. And he peeks in his side mirror and can see on the roof of the house across the street is Black Noir kind of kind of crouching behind the window. I love Black Noir, man. It's cool um, that Butcher has the, you know, conscience to at least walk in and talk it out with the boys and not just leave them there to die. So yeah. that's exactly what he does. And I wanted to bring up this line because I thought it was really cool. We get nothing on Black Noir ever. So when we do get lines about him, it's it's just interesting to me because they floated the idea of all getting in the car and just leaving. And that was obviously off the table because MM jumps right in and just confirms that Black Noir can move way faster than a car. Yeah. And that's yeah. not something we've seen yet. So that's pretty cool mm. to know. Yeah, and yeah, when Butcher comes back, it tells them Black Noir's there. MM's like, that doesn't make sense. We didn't take toll roads. We switched cars. And Butcher's like, no, he's here for me. Becca's not with me. He goes on to explain what happened. Now they finally understand. And right away, MM is coming up with a plan. He's like, all right, he might kill us, 
but he's going to have to do it with an audience. MM calls the fire department and then immediately turns to Judy and says, all right, do you have any nails, any ball bearings, any razors? I need an aerosol can about this big. It would be really appreciated. He's already got the plan and putting it in motion right away. He is... The best strategist ever. Yeah. He's, he's the yeah. Best. I feel like that's just a nod to how experienced M.M., Frenchie, and Butcher are in dealing with soups and just crisis situations that he just doesn't even skip a beat, doesn't get nervous. He's already, the gears are already turning. He's three steps ahead. I just like that. I, I love and that he is that good at planning. That actually makes a lot of sense when thinking about it in context of the whole show because. I always thought it was weird that M.M. was willing to ditch his family to jump back into this lifestyle after hating it for so many for so many reasons and also because he cares so much about his family. But seeing how experienced they are means this history runs way deeper than I thought. And it makes a lot more sense that Butcher was able to pull him back into the game. Yeah, he's probably there because if I'm not there, they're going to get themselves killed. Yeah. So I need to be there and help them with yeah. this. But that brings us into a starlight scene where she's going to the cafeteria and then she sees her mom talking to Stormfront. Yeah. And it's, this is a weird combination of characters. I didn't think Stormfront was going to be involved with starlight and her mom's issues at all, but here we are. And Stormfront's almost leading the conversation. What, what is her mom's name again? Donna. Donna. She's like, Donna, can I, can I just tell her, Starlight, <laughs> your mom is so sorry about the compound V. If I had a mom like Donna, I would be more appreciative, this, that, and the other thing. And Starlight's like, Mom, why are you talking to a stranger about all this stuff? This is personal for us. And her mom comes back with, she's not a stranger. She's your teammate. And this we whole thing viewers feels- know that this relationship between Stormfront and Starlight is kind of shaky at best right now. It feels a little bit like Homelander too, how it seems like Stormfront's just gaining leverage on on uh, Starlight, and she's just kind of showing that she's has her fingers everywhere. She knows omnipresent, know. dude. Exactly. Oh. She yeah, yeah. It felt more like a flex. She's like, look, everyone is upset about Compound V. I mean, someone was so upset they leaked it to the press. Can you imagine how angry that person is, whoever they are? And she looked dead at Starlight. I was like, ooh, Stormfront, you are a bad bitch, and I love it. So is this where Stormfront mentions her mom's name? Yeah. Adele? She's just comparing her relationship to her mother, to Donna and Stormfront and Starlight. So she just drops the name Adele, okay. and that's important for later. Yeah, and this brings us right into... We get these two awesome guys. The creative team. Yeah, yeah, they're giving the brave babe pitch. They're going all through uh, their new plan, their new makeover for brave Maeve, who's now coming out. And they they keep using the term lesbian. And Elena was like, you know, she's bi, right? Lesbians are better sell than bi. I believe is what Ashley says. It's just, it's almost offensive. It's so offensive seeing this behind the scenes, like marketing aspect of them trying to cash in on having an LGBTQ person on the team. And they go even farther because they're going to give her girlfriend a complete makeover too. And Maeve does what she's been shown to do. She always keeps her mouth shut, doesn't fight back against Vought. This causes Elena to just leave the scene pissed off as she should be. She didn't want to be involved. Yeah, she didn't want to be involved at all with this. Maeve chases after her to kind of make up for it. And this is when they have a really cool conversation just about how scared Maeve actually is of Homelander and what he can do to them. 
But she kind of revs the engine and says, we're going to fucking do this. We're going to take him the hell down. And I was just banging the table for me because I thought that was, that was great. And that was needed because she needs to show some balls. She's Wonder Woman. She needs to be as much of a threat and as protective as the, like the opposite side of Homelander. Yeah, there's a fight coming. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. It's good to see that, but it definitely seems like her plan right now is to lay low and wait for her opportunity to strike. And I'm just wondering when and where that's going to be. If the boys are going to be involved, obviously the deep is going to be involved. And I just train, like we were saying, can potentially be involved now because he's against Homelander. There have been, there are now three marginalized members of the seven that all have motives anti Homelander. And it's setting up this, this big war. Yes, we, we need people to be on the boys' side against Homelander because they can't do it alone. He's mm-hmm. he's freaking Homelander. So this is, this is exciting. This is exciting for the boys. And we'll jump back to Maven a little bit, but now we're going to go right back to the boys at Aunt Judy's house in the cul-de-sac. And we see that MM's done rigging the house with explosives. We get some great dialogue by Butcher calling uh, Black Noir that ninja cunt because he, he knows that he's specifically there to kill him and take him out. So basically Butcher is he's volunteering to sacrifice himself and let everyone get away still by head-on confronting Noir. Yeah. And at this point, all the fire trucks are still outside, right? So they're buying themselves a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Huey's like, fuck that. What am I supposed to be impressed by this? bravado and bravery and sacrifice no you're throwing your life away i have i still think about it all the time so i know what you're going through what really hits home though is huey says and i still can't get past that becca is still alive she just doesn't want you so which butcher says say that fucking again (laughs) and then huey has a great line you don't have shit welcome to the club this was character development for huey he's finally stepping up to butcher we've seen hints of it even earlier this episode, but this was like a really good moment. And I thought it, it upped Huey for this season for me so far because I needed something like this. Yeah. I mean, it was just him being his canary yeah. and letting him know when he's gone too far. And then Butcher goes right back at him and says, look at you. You're pathetic. You're clinging on to me. You've clung on to Robin. You're clinging on to everybody around you. You're afraid to be by yourself. And basically it just insults him to the core, says, get out of my way. To which Huey after he just took that verbal abuse, says no. He's the man. Yeah, he's awesome. Hey. And MM, die hard, man. Yeah. Steps right up behind him. Yeah, Butcher's like, yeah. don't don't make me move you. MM, he's like, you can move him. Comes around the corner. Looks like he probably got a tear in his eye from Huey's <laughs> speech. Good luck moving me. So we know they're going to be all together again. And now this breaks away to the church. The rest of the boys. Yeah, we get Frenchie finally seeing where Kimiko was going after doing the Russian job. And it's to meet my girl, Sherry. Our girl, okay. Yeah, yeah, Sherry. (laughs) I fucking love Sherry. Yeah, so we find out that Sherry has been setting up hits for Kimiko through the Albanians, and she's just getting 10% of every hit that Kimiko is performing. So we understand why she is just going around ripping people's faces off. And Frenchie immediately confronts Kimiko and says, why? This is not the way. This is poison for your soul. I know. Come with me, mon cœur. And, oh, you see it in Kimiko's eyes. He is wise beyond years, man. He's awesome. I love Frenchie. So uh, we've been getting a lot of Frenchie being high as a kite this season. And here when he says, this is poison for your soul, I know. This makes me think that we're going to get a big Frenchie background story about when he used to be really in the shit 
probably doing hits, and now he uses all these drugs to escape. Maybe uh, some origin of Sherry. That would be sweet. Yeah, I want that. Sherry probably is the one that found him and got him into it. She calls him when she says that uh, she's getting 10% and setting up these hits. She looks at Frenchie and calls him, says, I'm sorry, pumpkin. Just so confused about what the relationship is. I love it. I just think it's so beyond anything that could ever be broken right now that that's just Frenchie's plus one into the boys. And this ended with... Frenchie saying, fuck this and fuck you. You want to yeah, be a monster? Well, Kimiko signs back her grievances. Essentially, we're the only ones I can understand her, but she signs to Frenchie. I killed my brother. He was the only thing I cared about. And Frenchie just loses it. He says, I don't understand what you're saying because you won't teach me. And he's just like had enough of this relationship with Kimiko. Like, she doesn't want my help and I'm just giving her everything. And he says, fuck this, fuck you, go be a monster, Kimiko. And then he walks out and he's had enough rightfully so you know he he has tried and tried and tried with kimiko and kimiko is just not reciprocating she's just she's just what is going to be the event that's going to turn her to dive fully into what we believe in and that's the boys like i don't know what it's going to be and maybe there's a scene coming up in one of these episodes where frenchie's going to have another powerful moment and saves her in some way and that could do it i just don't know because her brother's gone now and that was her whole character well, right now it's her and Sherry, so maybe Sherry will put in a few good words on Frenchie's behalf. I don't know. We'll see. Kimiko's got to come back to the boys. Yeah, it, yeah. It's going to happen. But I think, we're on the, I think we're good on the church scene, mm-hmm. so I want to move on to the next The Deep commercial. Hell yeah. It's The Deep kind of just walking through, and he says, thanks to the Church of the Collective, I'm the kind of man who calls out injustice when he sees it. Hey, dude, that's not cool. <laughs> he like sees a guy being aggressive to a girl, like pushing her up against a wall, and it's just, oh, my God. The Deep is now the poster guy for anti-rape. It's, it is he so ridiculous. Is such a good way for the showrunners to just build up this incredible amount of tension at the end of a scene and then just transition right to the deep and it just resets your whole vibes. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's such, it's awesome to me because I know that he was such a serious character in the beginning into an absolute joke rock bottom. And right now he's on his way up and I'm just excited for the redemption story. The deep redemption story probably won't happen until season three is going to be the best thing ever. He has been the perfect comic relief this season and it, he just keeps on being money with every scene that he's in. But this is the commercial where we get, I forget how the rest of the commercial goes, but at the end of it, he's shaking hands with this guy named Alistair Adana, who is the chairman of the Church of the Collective. And I mentioned him earlier. I think he's just going to be the face of the church. And I, I feel like this is potential for maybe a villain or just a guy that we're going to see more of. So this pans out and it's see we see that it's a train, you know, watching this ad on an iPad at the he, movie set. And then Stormfront comes in and she's like, you know, the church used to be something until they started letting whoever in. What do you mean by that? She said, I think you know what I mean. He says, no, I don't. Can you please explain? She goes on to say, you know, some people are quality while other people are garbage. Just her liberty roots coming out yeah you can just tell this is just complete racism and a train's picking up on that too um and it starts to escalate he says hey do we have a problem here and she says oh of course not why would you say that just playing absolute dumb but she's flirting with the line and then backing off whenever she's getting called out for it so that's just stormfront calculated keeping her tabs on everyone being calculated and cool as a cucumber but that's just the character 
that we know so far. Enter Ashley, who wants a word with A Train, <laughs> following up on the last scene with the director, obviously, where. Uh, the director referenced her to Ashley with his grievances. And she's just, hey, A-Train, I totally get it. When I got fired by Madeline Stilwell, I tendered my way through Barcelona. <laughs> Everyone in that city ate my paella. <laughs> the guy with elephantitis. <laughs> Ashley, what the hell? Yo, what is coming out of your mouth right that now? That was straight comedy. So goddamn good. The delivery by Ashley was awesome. <laughs> She's getting better and better. I used to think she was annoying. In season one, she was just boshing Starlight around, but now she's under the fire. She's, she's thriving. She's, she's thriving, gold. yeah. And um, she, she drops a cool, subtle bit of lore here. Yes. A-Train shouldn't be that upset about getting retired from the seven because he ran, he served four years longer than Mr. Marathon, who we just got to assume is the last fastest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool lore. Maybe we'll meet him at some point. That would be awesome. And like, she's trying to sympathize. And eventually, you know, he says, I'm not going to do it. And she, this is where she's like, all right, this can go one of two ways. You do the lines and you retire and do everything we just discussed. Or we fire you for breach of contract because you were shooting compound V and you'll be ruined. It's the ultimate blackmail. And mm -hmm. he instantly realizes that he's stepping out of his lane. So he's going to start complying. We see that in their, their next scene. Mm. I think he says, can I just get a word with Homelander? And Ashley says, that's not a good idea. We both mm -hmm. know that. So yeah, this is Ashley doubling down, which I also love to see. Because she puts him in line. And like the next scene is A-Train shooting the shitty lines mm -hmm. with the fake stunt stuntman of Homelander. That was yeah. kind of a funny <laughs> moment. Uh, hey, dude. He actually kills the goodbye monologue, I would say. Yeah, he does. Because you yeah. can tell it's, it's real for him now. He's understanding yeah. that. It's super cheesy. He's like, I know this is the dawn of the seven but this is the sunset for A-Train. It's been a good run. Yeah. Yeah. The pun. And then, dude, so it pans out. It becomes off the shoot. And the fake Homelander turns around and says, that was awesome. And Adam Bork, our director, comes up and says, awesome. Hey, dog, that was fucking gold. Buddy, I'm ready to move on. But how do you feel? You want another? Just let me know. Dude, the director <laughs> is killing it this episode. Dude, I was Adam Bork. out loud at that part. So good. Definitely. And A-Train's like, if you want to move on. And before he's even done his sentence, Adam Bork's, all right, we're going to move on. We're going to need Victoria Check over on makeup. Too. Ridiculous. Okay, so let's get to this next this, scene because this, this scene, scene awesome. There is a huge protest going on outside in the city, and it's all about Homelander's war crimes. And this is being led by Congressman Newman, Congresswoman Newman, who has been seen throughout this season a couple times as just like a background She's been figure. on like the the CNN network, always just steadfast anti-soup stuff. She's yeah. just the face of the government body that's anti-soups. And she's preaching for finally holding Vaught accountable, this, that, and the other thing. And then Homelander flies down onto the stage and everyone's just holy the tension shit. goes through the roof. There's no background sounds. It's just everything is quiet for a second. And uh, that's just epic directing. I sat, part. I literally sat up on the couch. Oh shit, like this is about to get serious. He walks over to Newman. May I? Oh, thanks. <laughs> Grabs the mic. Congressman, Congresswoman Newman, everybody. Yeah. How, play it all up. Yeah. yeah. How about that dance like the Egyptian she put on the internet? Well, and then he gets down and he is in the bullshitting mode. This is where he's giving the story. 
the general thing is he's commenting on the video of him blatantly killing a civilian and he's he's trying to preach sometimes these things just happen to which one guy says how many times has it happened this has happened more than once and he's just bullshitting but the crowd is tired of the bullshit they're seeing through it so it's not working this time and he hits him with a line if you served with our soldiers like i have in the field and a military personnel says, you don't speak for us. The crowd starts chanting, you don't speak for us. You don't speak for us. And then we see Homelander's laser eyes light up. And then he just takes out the entire crowd. And I like can't even breathe during this scene. Oh my God. Did he I actually just do this? I wanted it to be real so badly, but like a minute in after you, you could kind of get the vibes that it was going to be like a vision, how he was, yeah. the soldier was talking and it flashes right back to the soldier freaking out. Mm-hmm. Because if that happened, that would mean this show is on the path to the end already. Next season, yeah. would be the last one. So they have to reel it in, but you do see mm-hmm. Homelander's true emotions and what he's capable of. That was an epic scene mm-hmm. and seeing what the lasers actually does to a crowd like that. Luke, uh, what you were saying, um, you kind of figure out that it's fake as it's going on. But when it happened, oh my God. Mouth open, shock. This is it. This is it. Like, Homelander's fucked. And then you're like, all right, this can't be real. Mm -hmm. Is it real? No, it's not real. And you're like, holy shit, I can't believe that roller coaster you just went on. But you know he has that thought in the back of his head. I could literally murder every single one of you mm-hmm. in a second if I wanted to. 100%. But it is just a daydream and then he hits the crowd with, alright you guys are the real heroes. God bless you." And then he's off because he knows <laughs> he, he can't win this crowd over. Not this time. Which brings us right back to Aunt Judy's place. And I think this is another one of those split scenes. So yeah. we have a couple to go over uh, real quick at Aunt Judy's. Uh, she says, all right, boys, time to hit the taffy room. Yeah. And we, we find out that the taffy room is her secret drug dealer layer. She deals. It's actually an affordable alternative to healthcare. Okay. <laughs> Fair <Privatized enough>. healthcare. <laughs> or as Butcher put it, she's a drug dealer. So then we see Homelander kind of having a mental breakdown alone in this hallway, just just dealing with the emotions of having the crowd not be on his side anymore. I, and he's just having, I loved this scene so much. I mean, it's, it's him dropping deeper, deeper into insanity. The violins are playing in the background. He's calling himself an idiot stupid, and he's, and he's maniacally laughing, laughing yeah. and then... I was ready for him to punch through the wall. And he, he honestly sounded like he's sobbing at some point. So he's all over the place and he just walks out of the hallway. We go right oh, to Storm's uh, trailer. Yeah, yeah. Th- uh, so this is where Homelander stormed off too. <laughs> Yeah, so Stormfront is on the phone with someone. You don't see him at first, and you, the, the conversation's very vague. But when it does flash over to that person, what you see instantly is a lighter. And it says Titty Committee on it. I don't know if that's a thing from the from the actual comics, and maybe it's a reference to the source material. But this is going to be Lamplighter, who was a previous member of the Seven. Besides just knowing who the actor that was cast at him as him for the season is, that that was your hint was that the lighter that's his powers are going to be shown this season he's going to be able to control fire and he is the one who murdered mallory's grandchildren and caused the boys to split up in the first place so he's going to have a huge part to play this season and i'm really excited for that what was the dialogue that they were actually discussing on the phone he lamplighter was saying something about it isn't just a kid it's only 17 and which stormfront saying 
there'll be a hero. Think of him as a hero. I just assumed that maybe it had something to do with the kid that Homelander killed the the kid in the African country. And it was like a planned thing. But I don't know how that could make the conversation he said was vague. So I don't think we were supposed to pick up on the specifics, but it was about a kid and Stormfront was just saying, you know, treat him like a hero. And w- it was like a mental institution when he pans out, he's wearing scrubs. No, he was a, it was, I think he was a nurse. Oh, so he's, okay. The he's Amazon TV put his actor's name and said nurse. So oh, okay. you're not supposed to technically know his lamplighter yet, but you know, the I, lighter is the, is the key. I'm glad you knew that because I literally thought he was in a mental institution. So <laughs> yeah, so that's just going to be something we're going to, we're going to be seeing in the next couple episodes. But yes, this scene revolves around Homelander uh, coming into Stormfront's trailer. And all that really happens is Stormfront had her guy whip up some pro-Homelander memes. Homelander, and we touched on this in one of the previous episodes, that's how Stormfront got so popular is because she had a guy churning out memes for her. She hooked Homelander up with this guy to kind of boost his PR. Yeah, that's what she was saying to uh homelander before in one of the earlier episodes she says you know Mm -hmm. if you want these people to like you you have to adapt and that's what she's doing she knows make me post these videos pictures saying oh that video was fake it was manufactured and it worked yeah i mean really we find out later was very satisfied with it and we're going to pick back up with that conclusion of that scene at the very end Mm -hmm. so we'll put a pin in that one for now and back to Aunt Judy's. And this is when we get the backstory of Butcher's now deceased brother, Lenny. And we don't need to go into the details about it. He was being, it was just a typical Butcher as a kid story, just beating the shit out of a bully of his little brother. But the important thing is that the little brother is very similar to Huey. When Butcher was beating the shit out of the bully, uh, his brother Lenny calmed him down and walked him away. Uh, His canary. Aunt Judy said, you know, Lenny had a way of making Billy not Billy. Mm -hmm. So it was great. And we also find out that Lenny is dead. But before Judy can tell Huey how he died or why he's dead, we get like a loud banging sound upstairs. A couple loud bangs. And then it's followed by these deep footsteps stepping around. So Black Noir is clearly just setting off all the traps. It's not working as they should have expected it not Mm -hmm. to work. And that's when he makes his move and throws down the smoke to try and knock them out downstairs. And they just react like the boys always do. MM, cover. He throws a shirt over Mm -hmm. it. They have their escape plan already. God, they're so smart. Yeah, they're awesome. Billy's saying, you know, go out the side door. And before he leaves... He pauses. Huey's like, what are you doing? He says, get him out of there. Closes it, puts a chair, locks him. Huey's banging on the door saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Because Huey basically thinks he's throwing his life away. And then walking around the blown up house. All right. Where are you at? Oi, gimp cunt. Like all this other random shit. Black Noir steps out into the kitchen. He has a whole dialogue. All right, you fucker. Where are you? Then he says, so you want to take me on, eh? Think you have the bullocks. Come on, cunt. Dude, <laughs> Butcher is money whenever he's on the screen. He whenever says, he's just churning out dialogue, I'm he here for He says cunt a hundred times this season. hundred times. It's so funny every time. B-Toms, you should, or you're definitely going to get the most improved 
butcher accent by the end of this series. Means a lot coming from you. You you <laughs> killed it on the first episode. So this is you're the only one who it means something saying you <laughs> accept my butcher impersonation. So yeah. after he gives that whole dialogue, you see your a chair smash and all of a sudden MM comes around the corner, starts unloading and Black Noir gets a knife, throws at him and hits him in the shoulder and my heart fucking stopped. Billy might die, but MM might die. <laughs> if MM dies, I'll be more upset. MM is down, and Billy's going, Oi, oi, give cunt over here. Come here. And before he even gets to him again, I think he he hits him, knocks him down, or something like that. But he then Huey, off. Yeah, and then Huey in. comes around the corner and shooting, missing. Huey's just the A for effort, but the execution is not there. Yeah. Huey looks so scared. And I have to correct you. I believe he was hitting him, but Black Noir just doesn't the, feel the any. The first couple shot. shots were misses. They were just like shooting like plates in the background. Oh, gotcha. like, and pops him in the hand. Yeah, no, Huey yeah. hits him a little bit. Character that was character. really cool when Noir just kind of like starts reaching in mm-hmm. front of the gun and the bullets start going through his hand. Uh, it's so good. But yeah. yeah, Black Noir is a bad dude and he is super strong. Butcher kind of hits him with one of those pokey fire things, you know, gets a few good licks, almost saves Huey, but they're screwed. Black Noir can overpower the three of them easily. And right as Noir is closing in, about to deal the finishing blow to Huey, Butcher says, yo, if you lay a finger on any of us, you're going to lose your job, which gets Noir's attention. And he comes out and says, I have a bunch of pictures of Homelander's little kid. And if I release, if you hurt any of us, I'm going to release them from the cloud. And everyone's going to know that Homelander's a big fat rapist. And I know that Vaught has spent a lot of time and effort trying to conceal Homelander's kid from the public eye. I'm sure they don't want that getting out. Yeah, and- called, called her him a laser-eyed bastard of Homelander. And we do find out that this is a fake threat later. How he well, delivers this scene, is it's awesome. Like, this is Butcher at his finest and why he is the leader of the boys because they were done. What is going to happen? Is Starlight going to come in and save them? Is Homelander going to make a scene? And it's just Butcher thinking on his feet. It's yeah. epic. Go for him, he saved him. Didn't look like it at first because Black Noir grabs him by the throat, pushes him up the wall. He's choking. Mm-hmm. And right when you think, you know, he's just going to kill him, his cell phone goes off. It's Alleluia ringtone. Answers it. Doesn't say a thing. And then puts it right up to Butcher's ear. Turns out it's Edgar. He says, are those, is that statement true? Or do you really have that proof? Black Noir quickly kind of like hints at the, the camera on his head. So Edgar's been watching this entire time. This was like a very coordinated plan. He was just going to eliminate who was going to eliminate Butcher. And once he realizes that this threat could potentially be real and Butcher has, he has nothing to lose. So he's going to w- risk it all. He starts feeling the fear of not letting Homelander's kid get out to the public. So they make the deal where if that information never sees the light of day, all call off black noir is the deal. Yes. He says, this is my first and final offer to you, Butcher obviously accepts. So Black Noir just leaves them alone and they're just left there in this burning Aunt Judy's house. Mm -hmm. And we go right to our boy, the deep. deep. He's handing out, uh, looks like Bibles or just books of the Church of the Collective and Maeve comes around the corner. Well, this is honestly a homeless shelter. And they were like, oh, I thought this would be food. And he goes, this is food for your soul. (laughs) Uh, go in peace or go in love Maeve comes around the corner oh my god Maeve hey hi so glad to see you Maeve this is her 
starting to put her plan together. She says yeah. to Deep, if you want to get back into the seven, you need a woman to say you're not a total piece of shit. Wait, you think I'm a piece of shit? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that exchange. She's like, wait, you think I'm a piece of shit? She's like, fuck yeah, dude, you suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Maeve is just like, I can be that person if you help me. So Maeve is going to be petitioning to get Deep back into the seven. And then Deep is going to owe her one big favor is what it's setting it up for. We go to uh, Detective Starlight. She's uh, slurking in Stormfront's trailer and she opens her computer tries to put in her pastor does liberty looks at the picture of her and her mom and this is where a name drop of adele the name of her mother comes into play yeah so she gets in and we don't see anything we just know it works and then trailer door opens stormfront comes in what the hell are you doing starlight does an amazing performance makes up she's doing the fake crying i don't need you to get involved i don't need my mother's forgiveness or love or relationship she lied to me i don't want it stormfront's like oh my god that was a performance that was yeah stormfront is so she's like homelander she's like doing these non-serious i don't give a fuck lines in incredibly serious situations. starlight had no chance in that scene at least as an audience member i didn't feel she did of tricking Stormfront in any capacity. I was just waiting for Stormfront to put her cards down. And that's yeah. exactly what she does. She reiterates what she said subtly in the last episode, in the last uh, scene with the mom, saying that she knows that Starlight was the one that leaked Compound V to the public and she's going to tell Homelander. Mm. And that's like the deepest threat you can give anyone, especially what, with what we saw, what Homelander did to Starlight earlier. Starlight chirps back with the only card she can play. She says, well, if you do that, I'm going to tell everybody that you used to be Liberty, which Stormfront, her eyes react. I don't think she knew that Starlight knew that, but she reels it back in immediately, keeps her composure, to which Homelander walks in Mm -hmm. and Starlight leaves. Uh, They both kind of don't tell Homelander what just happened. They said, oh, we were just running lines, girls being girls. Starlight exits. Now it's Homelander and Stormfront together in the trailer. Uh, Homelander says that he is up five points since they released all those memes and people are checking boxes like patriotic and unwavering, which are just the two words that Homelander wants to hear people think of him. He he looks at Stormfront and says, you know, I owe you. Mm-hmm. Which she says, how will you ever possibly repay me? Yeah. But real before we get anywhere, it cuts back to Butcher saying bye to Terror. He's basically saying bye to Judy. You're not bad for an old bag. Gives Terror. Oh, Judy. Yeah, Judy's best. I hope we get more of her, but I don't think we will. Gives uh, Terror a Homelander chew toy and says, oh, I almost forgot. Terror, fuck it. And it's a little squeaking. He's like, oh, good boy. I actually really like the quote that Butcher says. He says, I almost threw, excuse me, I almost threw in the tower like a fucking twat, but we're stronger than that. I swear that I'll get your mom back. So yeah. he is on team trying to reunite Becca, Butcher, and Tara, dude. I'm in it for the family. Yeah, I think Butcher's ready to be out of his slump. And now yep. we just got to get Kimiko out of hers and the boys are back. Dare I say, Butcher has found his second wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just got to get Kimiko on board. That's it. But like Paul said, Tara gets the Homelander doll. 
Butcher says, fuck it. Dream On by Aerosmith starts playing. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, it's a good one. And then we get Homelander and Stormfront. And I'm going to give the keys to this scene over to Paul. Okay, this is fucking insane. Out of all the sex scenes in the show we've seen so far, including season one, season two, we've gotten Homelander and Mallory, Popclaw and the Landlord, the Deep and the Rando who like sexually assaulted him. And then we got some good ones with Huey and Starlight and Butcher and Becca. But my God, this fucking sex scene was wild. We got them making out. She's biting a little bit. You're like, okay, so she's a little rough. Straight up. First of all, she gets turned around, slammed into the wall, breaks it by Homelander. She shoves him back across the room, breaks all the shelves and the wall behind him. He gets up and he has his laser eyes for a second, puts him away. And she goes, no, do it. It's okay. Do it. He does it a little bit. Don't be a pussy. Like, fucking do it. Laser my tits. Laser my fucking tits. So she goes for a while. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It hurts. It hurts. She stops. Don't fucking stop. Keeps going. Yeah, see, I'm not as breakable as you thought I'd be. Go on more. They're breaking more walls. Straight up, she punches him in the face. Choke slams him through a table. They're all over the place. So I don't know where the fuck this is going. Yeah, this is a really scary turn of events because I did not see Stormfront and Homelander teaming up without like Uh a major confrontation first. And because we're getting it in this way, there's a chance that Homelander starts to form an attachment similar to what he had with Stillwell, how he all has all the attachment issues. If he starts to feel that way about Stormfront, this could be game over, man. This could be the final two bosses of the show. Yeah, because Stormfront has the brains and obviously Homelander... Stormfront has to just view Homelander as a weapon for her to use against whoever the hell she wants, honestly. And I'm not sure who she wants to use Homelander against or if she just wants to have him in her pocket. But it is a scary potential between these two to be the big bad of this series. That's going to do it for us, guys. If you like what you heard, we have other episodes covering uh, the seventh and final season of the CW's The 100, Netflix's Cursed, Star's hit series Spartacus, Haunting of Hill House, and much more to come. If you're on the World Wide Web, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to our show on Spotify and Apple. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thank you so much for listening. Bingetown TV!